0: Hey everybody, my name's Axel Villamil. I'm here with Sean Garris on 24 Shades of Blue. He is the detective constable with the Integrated Gang Prevention Task Force. Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me come down here. It's a pleasure. I'm glad. I, I love talking to people in, in person. It's, it's so much better than virtual. I'm glad we're you know, getting back in the studio. Um, you know, listen gang prevention task force how did you get into this like this is like so much of a a mouthful of a title that you <laughs> we're talking about, but it's, you know, it, it is a big thing. How did you get into this thing?
1: I've been on the job for about 20 years and majority of my career was at the Jane and Finch area in 31 division. Um, I got to experience a lot of, uh, the gang subculture, um, in that, uh, area. Um, there's a lot of good in that area. I want to say first, uh, some uh, of the best jerks you can ever had in that area, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of great people as well. Um, I was a neighborhood officer for the, there for the longest time as well. Um, so I get to, got to experience the community and see the community's needs, uh, their desires and their wants, um, and get to understand them at a level that I've never understood them, uh, prior. So, um, gang prevention was the next step. Um, you know, I had made my arrests, uh, uh, you know, I had done my fair share of foot pursuits, um, you know, and seized enough guns and drugs off the street. I thought that I could be, you know, I could be better suited in a prevention aspect because, um, I you know, I I have a background, um, in wrestling, but, um, I'm and I'm coaching now like my father was before me. Um, and one of the things my father did is he, is he really went after these kids that were having a tough time in life and giving them the opportunities. And I think, you know, after seeing these kids in these neighborhoods suffer and getting involved, uh, into these groups like this, um, you know, and, and knowing my father's past, uh, and how he wanted to kind of do better. That's one of the things, you know, I think that they kind of influenced me in going to the, this,
0: this, uh, realm or this domain. Yeah. And I mean, the reason I asked, because I feel like you do really need a deeper, you know, a uh, soulful meaning for these types of things, especially when you're talking to youth, talking to uh, the community for so many years, because you have to gain the trust as well to, to also learn about them and be part of it. But at the same time, um, I think there's this theme here, which I think TPS is doing really well, which is it's not taking out the water out the boat, you're actually going to the boat and patching it up right from the hole right and and I think like you said, it's um, going right to the source and it is a revolving door of 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 um, you know misfortune that can happen. So um, talking about the gang's part also in guns, how does your team on the prevention side work in tandem with uh, guns and gangs, work in tandem with them?
1: Uh, well, uh, again, we are the the preventative side. So when we work with those guys, I mean, they're obviously dealing with the, um, some of the individuals that are actually involved and still committing some of the crimes. Um, the way we kind of work with them, sometimes we get referrals and, and a lot of, uh, referrals we get are for either from the guns and gang side or from other units within the city. Um, and those referrals basically, uh, treat a lot of the risk factors that come, uh, when you're talking about the gang subculture, there, there are a great many, uh, risk factors and they're listed on, uh, public's case it has public safety Canada's website as long and as well as the national, uh, gang centers website in the U S. Um, and what we're looking to do with, with that is actually treating some of these risk factors. Um, so when they're, the individual is identified, um, we can offer our services. We go to them. Um, and it, ha- it's a volunteer services where, well our referral service, um, it can't be somebody that, you know, it can't be forced upon somebody. Uh, it's a, something where you say, you know, listen, do you want out of, out of the gang? Um, we can help you. And that's what basically what we do. How's the turnout for that? We have a lot of people en- enrolled um, in our referral program currently. It's over, um, I'm going to say a thousand at this point. Have you seen like a jump in, you know, people wanting to leave, you know, within
0: the city or...
1: Well, I can tell you, like from my experience, you know, when you hear gang prevention, when you hear about, uh, you know, how do we get a gang member out of a, out of a gang? I, you automatically think that's a hard thing to do. Um, you think that, no, you know, that they're immersed in this gang culture. They're going to stay there. But when you think about... You know the, that lifestyle. That lifestyle. There's. It's not very lucrative, uh, for one. I mean, people think that drug dealing is actually lucrative. There's actually some. Um, there's actually some data actually on drug dealing, and and a lot. It's, it, it comes from the United States. It comes from the University of Chicago. There was actually a guy named Sidir Vankatesh and he actually got into a gang, and he 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 was a, he was a student, a graduate student at the University of Chicago, and um, what he did is actually went with a bunch of. Um, Uh, surveys into a, a, a low income area. And he started asking people, you know, can you fill these out? And then when he was walking up the stairs, he got, um, accosted by some gang members and they thought he was from a rival gang. So they held him captive overnight in this stairwell. And in the, during the process, what ended up happening, the gang leader came in, uh, and then interviewed him and said, listen, you know, you know, uh, who are you? What do you do? And he explained exactly who he was. Uh, there was some disbelief there, obviously, <laughs> um, but he showed him the surveys and the gang leader looked at him and he goes, Pff. he goes, if you really want to know what we're about, you got to live here. And then threw it in his face. And then he left, uh, or sorry, then the gang leader let, left, came back a couple hours. and he said, get rid of him. get, release him." Well, Sadir came back the next day and he came back for the next 10, 10 years. He did this. So he actually got to study of the gang uh, as a result of getting, you know, doing that. Oh, anthropological having, look at yeah. uh, this lifestyle. Interesting. But towards the end of it, he released, so one of the gang members brought the books to the to him and they released the the stats. And what they found was that an individual that does in the frontline officer it's so the frontline, um, I guess, street soldier that sells the drugs. Um, that individual there doesn't make a lot of money and it's probably one of the most dangerous jobs in the world um when the numbers were crunched at that time and this this study has been been years and years but it was actually this equivalent to a mcdonald's salary and not to knock mcdonald's because mcdonald's is a pretty uh pretty good um, job um actually my brother used to work there but
0: um you're not making more than than really. It's the risk factor here. It's a huge right? yeah. yeah, I'm down to get hurt by a friar than get shot. You know, like that's it's just the plain. That's very interesting, and I think that's what a lot of people need to realize because you know, the media, Hollywood, and all these TV shows that come out just shows like it, it very much glorifies that gang culture. And I think just having conversations like these really just put that to bed, where we can go, okay, no, you're actually making weight less the risks is higher and you're probably in a situation where that quote-unquote i guess group that you're in or gang isn't really your family they're they're there to use you for some of the most dangerous pieces of their business so i'd love to talk about the five strategies of prevention and how they're implemented
1: yes well maybe I'll, i'll talk about the program and how it was implemented first and then we'll get into the strategies um in 2016, then deputy chief Raymer, uh, who is currently our chief now, uh, he came to our unit and said, how do we get a gang member out of, um, a gang? Um, so massive you know, question. N- yeah, it's a massive <laughs> questions. And to answer it, we had to travel, uh, you know, throughout the United States, uh, throughout uh, the North America to try to figure out an answer because we really didn't know. Um, and we talked to other agencies, other police services, um, and we ended up coming up with a, um. A study that was done in uh, the Chicago area, the University of Chicago again. And, and there was a study that was done in a suburb of Chicago in, in a village. It's called actually Little Village. It's kind of confusing, but it's, it's what it was called. And they had a problem with the, uh, the Latin Kings. So anybody that knows anything about the street gang subculture, the Latin Kings is a, is a pretty nefarious name. Um, so he was able to actually mitigate some of the gang um, violence through that entire process. So we looked at that and, um, you know, we, we've decided that we could maybe modify that, that uh, programming and into, to Toronto's needs. Um, and as a result of that, what we did is at Gauge 416 is we, we came up with a modified version to treat uh, the gang subculture, to get mitigated ourselves. And um, the project's very interesting. Um, and because it's one, we had to tailor it to Toronto's needs, but, uh, it treats the risk factors. There's, there's tons and tons of risk factors that come along with, um, gang involvement, uh, young kids that are born, uh, in some of these areas, there's community risk factors, there's, uh, individual risk factors, there's major risk factors, and they're all, uh, categorized. Uh, if you ever want to take a look at them you can go to public safety canada and take a look at their website they have them there uh i think the the gang risk factors originated in um there's a website national gang center in the US i think that's where we actually got it from or the canadian website got them from because they're very similar there um but what we looked at is that like treating treating the the, the websites uh or sorry not treating the websites but treating these risk factors um and the risk factors could be you know some of the major risk factors are just uh, single parents um uh, having a uh, you know a child coming from a single parent home um you know living in a in a neighborhood a social disorganization um Yeah. Different things like that. And I, I, I'd be trying to, I'd be here for a while trying to pull them all out of my head. So I'm not going to do that. But our our strategy, our core strategies that we, that we're trying to work with is, is uh, one's uh, community mobilization. uh, The other one is opportunity provision, um, Mm -hmm. social intervention and uh, suppression, which is. Predominantly a police police initiative, right? Uh, and then uh, the last one being organizational change or and, stru- and structure. Um, so what we've done is we created a neighborhood team. And when I talk about neighborhood teams, it's not a neighborhood the neighborhood officer team like we have at the Toronto Police Service. Um, what it is is a group of individuals uh, from the community. So it's stakeholders. It's um, uh, grassroots agencies. There's uh, faith uh, groups as well. People from uh, employment agencies, you name it, we have them on our teams. We built these teams uh, from scratch. We had the framework. So what we did is we built these teams. We've gathered these teams together. Um, and uh, what we do is we educate them. One, because you know some of these people in these communities don't know exactly what what g- the gang subculture consists of. So we've had to educate them in, in human trafficking uh, the, because that's one of the one of the components that the gang subcultures operates within. Um, but we we do the education process and that
0: we do is we we get them to do outreach for us. So that's really interesting because I think we all would think like it's the traditional way where, you know, you put people in there, but you're bringing the community with you and, and making your own. Wow, that's really cool. Now, um, how does that, you know, how does that work? Is there ever, you know, people that are uh, a little... Weary of doing that, especially from the community. Like, how's the reaction when you bring them on your team?
1: We did 30 town hall meetings in the city
0: of Toronto's uh, uh,
1: lowest equitable and highest gang-impacted neighborhoods. We held these town hall meetings uh, to deliver our framework. We wanted to show them what our framework was like, uh, what we were going to do in their community. But also, at the end of it, we shut off the we shut off the the, the cameras, and we had a sit down with everybody in the community, and we wanted to hear. What they had to say about our framework and about just the, the gang subculture in general. And we learned a heck of a lot of things. We learned, uh, how, how and where to, uh, implement things. Uh, we learned more about the community than we ever thought and, you know, ever thought we would. And if you ever want to check it out. Um, I'm going to plug the website here because the document about the insights is actually on our, our website. It's TorontoGangPrevention.ca. If you go there, there's actually a red bar. Click it; it'll take you to our PDF file. It's called "What We've Learned Where We Where we, What We've Learned and Where We're Going," and basically it talks about all the insights. There's 37 of them. All these insights that the community members um, had to to give a to give to us, uh, so that we could remember. And then your question was again. Um, how to get them involved. Well, one of the things was, is that um, they wanted to be involved in the planning process. They wanted to be a part of it because when it becomes theirs, they're more likely to take it to pla- other places. Right. Um, because when it becomes police run, what it can ends up happening is, you know, I could get promoted and I could leave that office. Then they have to start from anew. because it's a community built. Uh, team, these individuals actually can function without the police being involved. And that's one of our goals towards the end is actually be able to remove the police and maybe just have us as a kind of a buffer um, where the community can actually start treating the wound um, when
0: it comes to dealing with gang subculture and getting these kids out of the entire process. I really like that because you're right. You know, the police can't solve everything. It takes everybody to do it themselves as well. And just, you know, it's like, you can't, Teach a, you can teach a, uh, you can give a man a fish, right? But teach teach a man how to fish, you know, he eats for life. Um, I think that's something really beautiful to think about because you know it's a community. You don't want gangs in your community, like you don't know, want your kids going there. And, and I'm sure parents and and children are concerned about this. So I was just wondering, what are some of the initiatives um, your unit? has in place to make children and parents feel safe in these at-risk communities? You know, we have some really good
1: uh, evidence-based strategies that we've kind of put in place. And that comes under the heading of suppression. When I talked about some of our strategies, the suppression strategy comes in um, right there and then. And one of the things that we've kind of uh, assisted, and we assist a lot of units, uh, you know, in implementing programming, but it's evidence-based program. So one of the things that's actually happened at the 31 division is their safe play initiative. Um, You know, in consultation with them, we were able to kind of say hey you know this this is a great idea this is something that you can that you can do and basically all it is is you know spending one hour a week in the community um and keeping people safe now the you know the reason we came up with that is because their insights going back to one of our insights the community members in in these gang impacted neighborhoods said you know we're scared to come out of our house. We're scared to use the parks. We're scared to do this. And I saw that as a, as an officer in 31 division, when I worked there, um, I saw a, a, you know, in the summertime, a water, um, splash pad not being used. I saw a park not being used at any hour, whenever you drive in it, not being used. So the solution scared, terrified of collateral damage. Um, it's a reality in these communities. They, it, 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 you know, people that don't live in the city that don't live near these places, they don't have this realization. So to actually read the the insights, they get a better picture one, and that's why I point people towards the website so that they can get an understanding of this is occurring. But with 31 divisions, they take it even farther than just that hour. They actually operate three hours out of the, or sorry, three days out of the week and i can tell you right now it started as just an hour police officers kind of engaging it has got bigger and bigger where stakeholders uh grassroots agencies have all joined in where now you're having ice cream trucks show up we had the brampton batman show up uh, we had uh you know all these things that were showing up and and again this was all planning um you know once we give the 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 idea to the the other units this is what they run right it's no longer because we're we're just a team. We can't run programs like that. We give the ideas, we give the evidence-based solution. So they're running it now. And that happened last year. It was such a success. What ends up happening is people from surrounding neighborhoods that are impacted from gang violence, they start to bring their kids into that neighborhood because they know that when the police officers are there, there is less propensity for any violence to actually occur. And in, I can tell you right now, when I was working there, when I was walking through this neighborhood we would engage. We play soccer with these kids. They were so happy. They were so engaged, and they were just happy to be outside their
0: house. That's huge. You know what? Driving by, uh, uh, you know, those splash pads and playgrounds when they're not being used, it's just whatever to me, right, as a regular person. But to you guys, it's like actually a sign to be like, well, clearly there's something wrong here, especially if you're there so much. Um, and that's very interesting to think about because, you know, you look at Canada just in general, right? safe to go outside usually um in the u.s like i've been to parts of the u.s where i was like i'm scared to go out here at night like i, I was there for business and i'm like i'm not going out and my friends were like don't go out here um but i think as a canadian it's very interesting to think about that there are actual places where it's still scared to go out at night and and that's sad because kids should go outside people should go outside and have fun um can be a pandemic for your life um so i would like to talk also about who would you consider to be at high risk of being swayed into malicious acts and or become part of a gang? You touched on this, like there's a lot of different things that come into factors of, you know, being at risk for this, but can we go a little deeper into that?
1: Basically, you know, we we when we're doing an assessment, we have a checklist, and the checklist is just the risk factors. So we go through risk factors, and then whether they're individual risk factors, whether they're neighborhood risk factors, um, they could be uh, school risk factors, because you have all these risk factors that all come into play. And as we do the checklist, to, the more and more check marks that come off, we start to realize that this kid is at risk for um, gang involvement or criminality. So, um, as a result of that, there's a recommendation put in for uh, any of our services. They they get referred to our referral program. Um, referral, again, is a volunteer basis. We don't force anybody into it. Um, but we've had some real success with that. Um, some really good success where we've actually been able to pull some people out of the gang subculture where we've actually been able to treat people that are at risk. And that's not just the kids that are in, uh, at risk, they're family members as well. So we treat the, you know, we treat risk factors like sometimes it's, um, you know, parents being unemployed. Um, some of the risk factors are just, uh, you know, getting these individuals jobs, Um, getting them back in school Um, those are the things that that we were able to treat and sometimes that
0: mitigates that process as it is that makes sense well I feel like the job part is probably a huge factor because probably the kids are trying to take it on themselves to help support and doing whatever
1: it's a huge factor because what that does is a status it gives you status in the community right when you're earning money when you have a job title um, it, it, it gives you status it's the same thing with, with a gang. Gang gives you status because you're in the gang, but if you're able to replace that status with something else, and that's something that's reflected in the little village, um, uh, project as well. That's one of the things that they found is there was a high propensity for actually, um, acceptance
0: of that referral in, in employment. You talk about success stories. Could you, you to know, name names or even anywhere, or anything geographically about it, but would love for you to share us success story just because I feel like people need to hear this in my experience. I've had, um,
1: people that have been, I guess, uh, experienced gang violence, uh, to a point where they were, um, I guess, um, intimidated at school uh, intimidated at, you know, when they're in the community and they, we, we, we had to relocate them. Um, and as a result of relocating them and we put them in a better spot and that's another service we offer as well, relocation, um, because you can, you can imagine living in a gang, um, plagued area um it's really hard to get out so part of the process is for some people not everybody
0: is actually the removal i'm sure that's very hard to do period just picking up your life and moving but the fact that that's available Mm -hmm. is, is is huge because sometimes you might just need to do that yeah just get out literally of the of the area yeah um last topic the great program let's talk about that what what skills do you teach and who is this program for you know the great program
1: is an amazing program i absolutely love it because it, it again it goes back to my roots of uh, coaching um and being in the community and helping out helping out kids as we talked before about my father
0: being an amazing role model for me i'm going to pause you right there cuz our listeners anybody's listening and not watching needs to know this gentleman is jacked he's he's like the wrestling guy like he's like yeah. Just picture that everybody in your mind. Continue. Yeah. Just, uh,
1: you know, the coaching aspect, you know, I coached, uh, you know, at various levels of wrestling from, from elementary school, uh, which I'm doing now. Uh, I've coached at uh, the high school level, which I did into Jane and Finch area, uh, also at the university level at York university. And then at the world championship level at the world level, actually with the national team.
0: I saw your face on Google for the
1: York one. So I've actually, so I've coached in all those different realms. So empowering kids to do things and get them to do things beyond their capability or believe in themselves is something that's very passionate. It was passed down through my father, but it's something that I like to do myself. And uh, the GREAT program uh, gets me to do that at a different capacity. GREAT stands for uh, Gang Resistance Education and Training. Um, And that's, uh, that's basically going into these schools, some of these schools and uh, teaching them life skills. Uh, some of these skills that parents or the mentors, they don't have, um, you know, when we talked about the, the, uh, insights, uh, the community members were saying there's not enough mentors in their, in their neighborhood. There's not enough role models in their neighborhood, um, through the great program, we offer that through officers. Um, now currently I'm the only one trained as a great officer in this, this, (laughs) I hate saying great, but I I like, (laughs) you are great, great, but you know, saying that that I'm trained in that. I went down to the U S it's actually an evidence-based programming as well. Um, I believe it came out of the, the, uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, and it's been, you know, they, it, it, they, they implemented it, they pulled it back they implemented it again. So they've done a bunch of research and they found that it actually does mitigate gang involvement, but it starts with the root. It starts, um, it, it doesn't start where you're, you know, you've, you're making the arrest. It starts in these schools as young as elementary schools. Um, and the reason being is because that's where this stuff is happening. And I'm not speaking from experience. I'm talking about the insights as well. I'm going to talk about those because I want you to, our viewers, to to reference it and yeah. see it. So, uh, yeah, in the insights, what it's what uh, it does speak to is one of the community members was saying that, uh, and this was a gang member, a self-identified gang member, um, and he said that you know he would target elementary school kids. He would actually look for individuals that were loners, you know, walking home from school. So these kids are being targeted to be enter the gang subculture at a young age. Uh, And that reason being, so that's one of the reason being that I, that I got involved in the, uh, the great program because the great program goes into elementary schools. It goes into middle schools as well, but it's a whole curriculum based, um, program, uh, so it's not something that I'm just kind of spewing off when I go into these, these, these schools, I actually have a curriculum I have to teach. And a lot of it's got to do with, um, making decisions, decision-making, a uh, conflict resolution. Uh, and we talk about bullying, Bullying's huge. Um, but those are different things and we give the kill skills and we do that through role play. Uh, role play, you know, as much as we kind of laugh at that sort of thing, there's actually been, there's literature on that as well. Um, that shows the effectiveness of that. Um, you know, when you do role play, it actually does mitigate some of behaviors. So, you know, when we put these kids in these different situations and they're able to. Um, identify with the situations and then able to respond with what we've given them some of the th- lessons some of the the uh lessons that we've taught about bullying uh, if we get to give them some sort of spiel some sort of you know something to remember um, and they they're able to kind of get through that process um when it comes to gang recruitment or when it comes to understanding gangs and stuff like that so we do talk about gangs as well but we don't go um too much into it um, and before we do it, well, obviously we, we send a letter home to the parents. Uh, it's, a, we do this in conjunction with the school, uh, the letter to the parents, uh, comes from the great program. Uh, it's actually printed by them. It's not me authoring it, uh, basically tells you what the program's about and that your kid's going to be, uh,
0: exposed to it. And if you don't want them to expose it, you're going to have them to opt out. So it's, it's again, another voluntary program. absolutely. I mean, it's, I feel like that's so important. It's interesting. You're, it's like, um you know got milk remember that campaign uh, it's literally talking about the absence of milk and and it, that's why the campaign did so well in your case you're not even talking about gangs right away you're talking about vital parts of being a human's decision making you know things like feeling seen like what to do in certain situations i think role playing is huge it's funny my parents used to do that a lot with me um in emergency situations um my dad's like well what happens if you ever like, get kidnapped he's like what do you do and my dad always like we I see that role play as more as a rehearsal or a practice to, you know, in, in case of a bad situation, in our case, it was CL fire, (laughs) you know, it's always going to look and, you know, whatever that is, or do what you need to do, get attention. And I think for these kids, um, allows them to think in a safe place, right. It allows them to fail in a safe place with not only the guidance of you and your team, the great program, um, just in an area that they can do this, where, if they ever are in that situation, knock or wood, they can actually, you know, effectively get out, quote unquote, and um, prevent themselves from ever being in that situation. That's very hard to get out of. So, Sean, you know, thank you so much for your time here. Um, shout out the podcast. Tell us about Engage the podcast is the engage four one six podcast.
1: Um, and it's, uh, so if you, if you, if you want to check it out, we're on YouTube and we have our own YouTube channel and seeing, I put all the episodes up there. Um, we do do a live stream on my, uh, TikTok, uh, on my, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn as well. It's all on there. And the live stream is usually from 10 to 11. And we talk about the gang subculture. We talk about policing. We talk about, um, the innate, most importantly, the engage four one six initiative and how we, to get these kids out! Um, but I do answer any questions. It's interactive. Um, I talk to uh, anybody. I'll talk about about policing. Some people will ask me about hired the hiring process, and I got hired twenty years ago, so the, my information might be a little bit old. But it's a it's a good spot to kind of learn about uh, the gang
0: subculture. Absolutely, everybody check it out. Sean Garris Twenty Four Shades of Blue. We're out.